Hey friends and fellow Buffy lovers, and welcome to our podcast, where we discuss each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in detail, focusing on digging deep into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing. I'm Leah. I'm Sarah. I'm Tabby. And this is Becoming Buffy. And welcome to our Scooby secret section for our Nightmares episode. We did want to mention uh, this is going to be a fully spoilers episode. It's supposed to be attached onto our Nightmares episode. However, mm-hmm. our Nightmares episode ended up being pretty long and our Scooby secret section is going to be very full this episode. <laughs> so we thought that we'd help you guys out and separate them two just for this week. So if you do not normally listen to the Scooby secret section or you care about spoilers, Again, as always, we do not recommend this section for you, but especially enjoy, for this week. Yes, yes, this one because we will be spoiling a lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, a lot. so this is your warning, so feel free to click off now, but for those of you that are staying, we want to remind you this is spoilers for not only Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but also Angel. Um, and yeah, I'm so excited to get into it. Oh, this episode is just so full of character development Mm -hmm. it's just so meta and so much foreshadowing oh my gosh yeah and like we'll we'll um bring up the parallels but like this and the season finale in the fourth season oh yeah it's like it's ridiculous how much restless yeah Mm -hmm. i i hadn't seen that it's probably the season finale i've seen the least ironically um and i saw it with my sister becca a couple days ago and i was like holy crap i didn't even realize how much of it alone is in the episode but how much it correlates to this episode yep well it also correlates to prophecy girl so much like Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. episode lays so much groundwork for prophecy girl it's insane yeah it's so funny because i always think of prophecy girl and i'm always like oh this is a really good episode and then i think of all the episodes leading up to prophecy girl as kind of just monster of the week standalone and although this episode is a monster of the week it's got a lot of character development kind of just kind of recapping all of the character development that xander's had so far willow's had giles leading up to buffy's um well-rounded season arc i guess i should say in prophecy girl it's and I just, think it's, it's good. It's hard to have a monster of the week um, in an episode and give even like like camera time, I guess, for each character. You know, like like what you're saying, Sarah. Like, there's so much for each character that like jumpstarts their relationship on the show. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about, I'm sure, many times at this point, but this <laughs> the theme for this season is acceptance, mm-hmm. and specifically, mainly Buffy accepting being the slayer Mm -hmm. and what that looks like and i think that her in this episode because this is i I think you mentioned it in the non-spoiler section but this is the first like kind of more buffy centric episode yeah Um, Yeah. and it really dives into buffy and her past and her like drama and struggles and all that Mm -hmm. and i think that you cannot accept being the slayer without accepting the risks of it and yeah Mm -hmm. The, and I think the that stuff it really, that might happen. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. it really dives into that this episode, which is her mm-hmm. death, which Giles has to accept, and her maybe one day becoming a vampire, mm-hmm. which she has to accept that she runs that risk every single time she fights. She has a ton of resistance in this episode. This is like definitely like 
a couple episodes before prophecy girl and i think that like she's slowly starting to warm up to it but in this episode there's a ton of just like she's really scared so much yeah. in this episode yeah. and like so much that could happen being the slayer she's still just like i don't want that yeah um but before we kind of go too much down a rabbit trail of you know what this episode is i think i'm ready to jump into the first scene i'm so excited and the first scene literally starts off with a spoiler i think this is the first time i've ever had a spoiler in the first scene like yeah well anytime we have a dream sequence and it's buffy's dream it's important and you should pay Mm -hmm. attention yep but the first dream or the like first scene it literally is like exactly foreshadowing Mm -hmm. her death yeah like they're in the master's lair the master kind of like the weird trance on her Mm -hmm. yeah like brings her in like it literally is exactly what happens like it's insane yeah yeah and for a first time viewer you would look at this and and later on you see the master is awake because of her nightmares and she's in the tombs or she falls into the coffin and everything and you're like oh okay so the dream or the nightmare she had earlier was foreshadowing this and it's such like a a deception for the audience because you're like oh okay it was just for that but no really her Mm -hmm. that was an actual Mm -hmm. foreshadowing for an actual nightmare she's gonna have later on it's like oh everyone's having nightmares this episode like that's not a prophecy but like like it's Joss Whedon is so smart like he put it in an episode where it can be disguised so easily it's interesting that this episode is so far on in the season but I also think it's super clever because at this point you can tell the actors know what their characters what drives their characters they like they're fitting into their roles a little more comfortably Joss has his pulse on what his characters want need fear all that stuff and he at this point knows where he's going and he was creating a really good arc for what might have just been a one season show um yeah it, i don't know it just was it's done so well because he knows that there's a potential the show might go on past one season and so he sets it up for it possibly being that but then he also like sets it up for it ending after yeah, the first season he, and you still mm-hmm. had a well-rounded arc for each of the characters he mm-hmm. did such a good job because i've watched other shows like for example like um the legend of Korra. they kind of got shot in the foot because the first two seasons um the writers uh or the people who like owned the rights to the show told the writers like oh only one season so they like, Ooh. and then they did the same thing for the That's second season. Fun. They they did the same thing for second season, and so they kind of got this unfortunate like uh, end of the stick for. I totally butchered that analogy, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> that they had to write only one season story arcs, and so sometimes the first two seasons of that show are just not very like cohesive cohesive. with each other yeah um they might be like fine seasons by themselves but together they're kind of like they seem Mm. like different shows sometimes Mm, that's a bummer buffy this is not me to back on the show of course of course good but um (laughs) um buffy did such a good job of creating individual seasons that cohesively go together because it's because joss like knew what he wanted out of his character yeah it wasn't like a oh we'll see each season and take it like where it's at he was like there's a specific way i want these characters to go and even if we get shut down i'm gonna try and wrap it up as much as possible for each season finale it's just impressive to me that like joss didn't know whether they were going to get picked up or or again or whatever um but he still managed to create 
such three-dimensional yeah. characters. He ended with a bang in 12 season. episodes. In 12 episodes. Yeah. It wasn't even like the regular 22 that most mm-hmm. other people have for a season. He did it in 12 yeah. episodes. By the time you get to the season finale, you genuinely care for these characters so much. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's really, really well done. Yeah. yeah. Like, and other than season six, every single season finale, he thought that they weren't going to come back. So he really ends with a bang. And this is like the first... Yeah. I mean, we're not on Prophecy Girl acting as if we're on Prophecy yeah, Girl. Yeah. But th- that's like the first one that kind of kicks off being like, oh, wow, like, dang, okay, I- I'm really excited for like the next episode. But this is just like the starter point of like Prophecy Girl. I like, in my mind, I'm like, this is part one. Yeah, I know. The pre-Prophecy Girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to touch real fast about how, you know, we see glimpses of Buffy being enthralled by the master. And we see that later on with Dracula. And we'll talk about it, I'm sure, yes. when the Prophecy Girl comes up. Um, but it's interesting because in this specific situation, Buffy is paralyzed quite literally by her fear. Master is her fear. And you have that over and over with Master's, his speeches, when he's talking about how fear is the most powerful thing over love. Yeah. And then he says, if I face my fear, it cannot master me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's such an interesting choice of words. We talked about it in the spoiler-free section, but just how it's interesting that his name is Master and he is quite literally the embodiment of Buffy's fear yeah. and quite literally what she has to master in order to defeat the master, yeah. you know? And I think with Dracula, it's a different kind of, it's not fear at that point. I think it's supposed to symbolize Buffy's attraction to the darkness yes. that's inside of her. Yeah. yeah. Lee and I were talking and about that also when we just, it. I think it's also partially her attraction to death. Like, because yeah. at that point, yeah. she just had been through a lot. And I think a part of her, and it was edging towards season five. Um, like the end it of wasn't season, season sorry, five. I'm, it was I'm the first the, episode. I meant the ending of season five. Um, sure. Um, and I think that Buffy had already been through so much. Like, she had to kill her boyfriend in season three. Sure, or two. Sorry. I'm messing up all my seasons. Like, she died <laughs> in season one. Like, she's gone up and down with her friends. She had that weird transitional season in season four. Like, she's just been through so much. And I, so I think that by the time she met Dracula, the thought of peace was kind of like, kind of really nice. Um, but I just like the whole opening scene is just yeah so so good, and I I forgot about it, and then mm-hmm. we watched it again, and I was like, what yeah. the heck? Okay, uh, can we talk about Hank? Yeah, I had that oh, written down yeah. too. Oh my god, mm-hmm. it's the first time we meet her dad, mm-hmm. who like I think just uh, knowing what happens later on, I'm just like this isn't super far off. I mean, he wouldn't like right? be this blatant, and his like like. I don't know, disapproval or like um, emotional distance. He was apathetic. He just didn't care. Mm -hmm. But like he definitely acted that way. He he constantly doesn't show up for her. Like he doesn't ever see her after season two because like she had that one summer with him. But that's pretty much all that we really know after that other than like occasional like Mm -hmm. times that she sees him. But like, I don't know, it just it made me sad knowing we're his character kind of goes even though we don't see a ton yeah. of him we just kind of know little snippets here and there yeah which honestly he's like, still a part of buffy you know mm-hmm. yeah and that's got to be incredibly painful it's crazy that they created a character who obviously has like issues with her dad but then didn't create a character that was like only focused on that throughout all the show and like kind of always blamed all mm-hmm. of her issues just like on her parents like that's a good point he did a good job of, like, Joss Whedon did a good job of creating a character that obviously has childhood issues, um, but doesn't make excuses for them, doesn't, like, 
just tries to be better and just tries to improve and move on and like it's just like there's so many similarities between like the relationship between her relationship with Giles and her relationship with her father but it's Mm -hmm. supposed to show that her relationship with Giles is so much better and so much healthier and there's so many episodes that show it a little bit better than this one yeah Um, but this one is just like the very very beginning steps of her relationship Mm -hmm. with Giles blossoming into something more than just like a slayer and watch a relationship so many things in each character and between the relationship between other characters too is kickstarted in this episode it's just hard i think watching him say all those things to buffy hank saying all those things to buffy and then knowing that in season three he doesn't show up they normally go to that Mm -hmm. i think it's ice capades together and he doesn't yeah season two you're right and then in season three again when she Mm -hmm. wants to go with her dad and um, for helpless. And then it's very clear. Okay. We're phasing out Hank and bringing in Giles as the yep. father figure. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, Hank didn't even show up for the funeral for Joyce. You know, the only other time that oh we my see gosh, Hank is I in flashbacks. I never even thought about yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Right? That's so, what the that's, heck? That's a, yeah. That's so messed low. up. That's like, that's horrible. Well, and then season six, you know, you have Buffy, Bot, and Dawn together, and they know that Hank is like essentially MIA. Like he, I think they said at one point he ran off to Paris with the secretary or something I know, like Buffy that. Buffy was dead for six months, and then like right, nothing. and he had no clue. I mean, he didn't even check up on his his daughters to find out if they're okay, you Yikes. know. And then in season five, we see the flashbacks when Buffy is comatose and Dawn's been captured. We see like they were a happy family at one point, so something happened, and it's often hinted at that there were problems before Buffy started slaying, but oh, Buffy yeah. slaying is what caused a lot of the rift. And, and I, I mean, obviously, Buffy's not to blame. I also right. just think that when you're a selfish person, it's a lot easier to maintain your selfish life when you are detached from anyone who'd make you feel guilty. Oh, absolutely. And I think that mm-hmm. that was the main reason why he starts, like, obviously, I'm. this is completely me psychoanalyzing him and going <laughs> probably way too deep into a very one-dimensional character. From the three character. scenes we've seen him. Yeah. yeah. But, like, he just ends up distancing himself i think because anytime he would be around buffy and dawn i think he would be reminded of like how little he actually means to them and what a crappy job he's done and like if he continues in that that like scenario or that how they view him they're not going to view him any differently because that's just what they expect from him it would be a lot of accountability and a lot of work if he tried to actually be in their lives and he would never have to he'd have to keep doing that the rest of his life yeah 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 I mean, it makes for an interesting character in this episode, seeing and hearing that Buffy is feeling guilty because her Slayer life affects so many parts of her life in this one. We're seeing it has actually affected her her family life because Joyce kind of seems to be not caring as much at this point. But seeing that Buffy herself thinks that she's to blame for her parents split. I mean, that is a heavy thing for any child to have to carry, Mm -hmm. which is hard enough in normal kids. Like that's a very normal thing is to feel the guilt of your parents divorce. But I feel like it probably would be tenfold when you are legitimately like it's something that's legitimately out of your control. And here's the thing, like you can kind of coexist with a partner and then just not have to talk about things if things are kind of status quo. But I think having Buffy be the Slayer and having her go through stuff, it burned down forced, the gym. <laughs> well, yeah, it forced Hank and Joyce to like have to be on the same page and they couldn't and they like mm, couldn't communicate. So point. it it brought everything mm. else up in the air. 
you know, and they yeah. couldn't. And like, all Buffy heard was them arguing, yeah. and in her mind, it's like it's be- obviously yeah, they're going to argue about her. our daughter burned down the gym, but there's deeper issues that yep. Buffy's not actually seeing, mm-hmm. um, and so she only sees you know the stuff on the surface that exactly. she's directly caused. Yeah. yeah, which anyone would if they were in her situation, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so moving along, I want to talk a little bit about some other things that this um, season foreshadows, or I guess other things that call back to this episode. Um, When they're walking in the hallway, you see Willow talking about how she hates spiders, and she says, what do they need all those legs for anyway? Which is almost directly quoted in Once More With Feeling, when you have Anya singing, what do they need such good eyesight for anyway? Talking about her fear (laughs) of bunnies. And then you have it again when they find Giles um, being lost in the stacks. Or sorry, not being lost in the stacks, but later on when they're talking about, oh, hey, this is nightmares. And I think either Willow or Xander says, hey, maybe this is dreams. And Giles says, no, no, this is nightmares. He's like, dreams, dreams would be the musical comedy version of this, which is exactly pretty much what happened in Once More With Feeling. And then you also have a line in Once More With Feeling where I forget who is, I think it's um, Giles that sings it. I don't remember who it is. He says, I've got a theory. Some kid is dreaming and we're all stuck in his wacky Broadway nightmare. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. It's Willow. Willow. I I love Allison Hannigan. She's a horrible singer. I think you're right because Tara does the jazz hands right there. Um, (laughs) But yeah, she says, I've got a theory. Some kid is dreaming and we're all stuck inside his wacky Broadway nightmare. And so the kid is dreaming. The kid is Billy. It's a reference back to nightmares. Yeah, I remember that. It's just like, Mm -hmm. it's so funny how like for some reason, once more feeling was referencing this episode, which I guess makes sense because Joss also wrote once more with feeling and a lot of like the episodes that Joss comes in and both writes and directs or is like very um, intentional about are usually finales or incredibly pivotal episodes within the season. And they usually help move the character development along. And with Once More with Feeling, that is probably the most pivotal episode of the season. And it's mm-hmm. where all of the characters' motivations are revealed. So it makes sense that he would kind of always constantly be pointing back to nightmares and probably even restless because he wants the characters like you hammer home the same themes the Mm -hmm, characters are struggling with you know a lot of callbacks man that's insane just so many like correlations to just one episode i know right yeah almost direct quotes and stuff there's some smaller like not really foreshadowing but just like um little bit like kickstarts certain like fears for like um the puppet show so like willow like going on stage which is something that she's Mm -hmm. like terrified about and then xander hates clowns but he also like hates mimes too which i feel like usually both those things yeah yeah. go together oh also a cordy like hyper focuses on her looks in this episode and in out of mind out of sight She's like, mm-hmm. it kind of foreshadows a little bit of like her appearance physically and how people view her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk about the graveyard scene. Mm-hmm. This scene yeah. is so well done, but it just like kills me every time. Like the fact that Giles sees Buffy's like grave and you see it like physically affect him. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, when you haven't seen the show before, you're like, oh my gosh, poor Giles, this sucks. And then like, if you have seen the show before, you're like, not only did Giles have to deal with this pain, not once, but twice in the show is one of the most heartbreaking things to me. 
Like, he yeah. had to deal with Buffy dying twice. I'm glad he wasn't there. Like, uh, oh, he wasn't around a ton when she was gone. I think, like, his character would have felt really useless. You mean in season um, six. after she died in season six? Mm-hmm. He was he was there. He left, he left the back. day before they resurrected her. Oh, 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 you're right. You're right. I'm wrong. Yep. Yeah. He he left the day that they were going to resurrect. Remember, they said, oh, we're not going to tell him. He leaves on the plane. They're like, well, what are you going to do if she comes back? They're like, well, he'll get back on the plane and come back, you know? Well, no, I know. Um, what I'm saying is, is, like, I feel like, I don't know, it would have been really hard for him to be there while she's going through a lot of things and while she was, like, gone. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. You mean all the problems she was having in season six? Well, and sure. I also think that if Giles had been there in season six, Buffy would not have gone through a lot of that. And Willow would have been kept in check a lot more. Yes. And I think that season six is really tough, and we will talk about mm-hmm. that when it, it gets there. But season six is absolutely necessary for every single mm-hmm. character that went through mm-hmm. it. Buffy needed to be able to make mistakes without Giles keeping her above water. Like, Willow needed to experience going that dark because she needed to see that she couldn't go that dark. Like, and I could go on and on about season six and its importance, but like, all of that wouldn't have happened and those characters wouldn't have grown the way they needed to if Giles was there. Yeah. Um, and then we have a couple other things. So season seven, we'll talk about it when we get there. Season seven has a lot of stuff that kind of is a direct throwback to things that happened in season one. Um, and then you have the girl that goes into the basement to get a smoke break is almost directly mirroring the first episode of season seven where Buffy and is at the new school and there's a bunch of creepies inside yeah. of the basement and Spike himself is actually in the basement mm-hmm. as well. So just kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, they have a ton of callbacks to the first season, Big Bad, not Big Bads, but like um like weekly monster of the week. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to point out the similarities between Buffy and Angel in this episode. Uh we know that Angel doesn't really like being a vampire. Like it's very obvious. If you've seen the show Angel, you know he really does not like being you know, vampire. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because in the first few seasons, whenever I think they even have a whole like scene about it, whenever he like shows his vamp face, he kind of hides it. Oh, I was gonna um, bring this up. Yeah, yeah. And like, there's even an episode with him and Buffy where he's like, "I don't like you seeing me." Like it was this. the ice capades one too. Yes, and she's like, she just like looks at him and she's like, "I didn't even notice." It's very sweet. Mm-hmm. You know, such a cute moment. Obsessed. But <laughs> I think it's super interesting that when Buffy becomes a vampire in this episode mm-hmm. and everyone looks at her, she turns away. She because says, she doesn't look at me. Yeah, she doesn't want people mm-hmm. seeing her like that. And, like, it's just very, very sweet because it's, like, when she is with Angel, like, a part of me kind of wants to, like, feel like she remembers what it's like to have mm-hmm. people look at her like that. So I don't know if that's me reading into it, but, like, a part of me is just kind of, like, she knows how it feels to, like, and I think like be vampire when, a little bit. When her and Angel have their vamp face on, it's kind of like being seen for all of the ugliness. You know, when someone sees you for who you really are, it's like yeah. your true face, um, mm-hmm. especially as a vampire. So I think I feel like Angel was just kind of like ashamed. He was like, just don't look at me. Like, I want you to see the best part of me, you know? And same thing with Buffy. It's like a fear of hers to like become the um demon that she's been fighting so much she doesn't want to become that yeah so like well being, imagine being a slayer yeah your whole calling is to kill vampires and then you become a vampire i mean how and that's yeah. something uh something i really wish the show that is probably one of the 
biggest things I wish the show would have explored is yeah. what happens if a slayer becomes a vampire. Yes, I wish I that they had actually um, had Sunday. I was about to say Sunny. Well, wasn't it four. Sunny? Sunny it's or Sunday? Sunday. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was about to bring Sunday. that up, Sarah. That's a good point. Because I, okay. I wish they made her. Like I love Joss Whedon, and I like. But there are sometimes where I'm like, some things don't make sense. And one of the things was the fact that that girl was so strong. Um, and I think that it wanted to pull in the fact that Buffy was just really weak, like mentally at that time. Yeah, and so she wasn't fully mm-hmm. on her game, which I can excuse. And I'm like, okay, I guess it works. But like also she whooped Buffy like the first time they fought. And it was like, she's strong for like a normal vampire. Like yeah. it would have been, oh, I'm just so upset. It would have been such a, such an interesting storyline. She would have been better than Adam. Yeah. Instead we got me? stupid Adam <laughs> and the weird yeah. professor. No one wanted it. But we got mm-hmm. it. Yep. No, they're in in their defense. They had a whole other storyline that they were planning on doing. Yeah, for and sure. They ended up not season being able four, to. But. Yeah, they got screwed over season four. Mm-hmm. So I I allow them to yeah. have that. Um, this one's a little bit of like of a shout out to Sarah Michelle Geller. I feel really bad for her in this episode because, as mm-hmm. Sarah said in like the non spoiler version, um, her one of her biggest fears is being buried alive. And Jaws like told her he was like, "Hey, if you can get through this, you won't ever have to do it again." Uh, jokes on she her lied. the poor girl i'm like this two times in the show does she have to be buried alive like my oh yeah. i can't yeah even like yeah. the fact that she had to crawl out of the grave mm-hmm. and then she had to crawl out of the grave again for buffy's <laughs> character i'm like that sucks like um even spike talks about that he's like she had to call like crawl out of her grave like he knows yeah Jesus, poor girl. No wonder why she wanted to die, dude. Like, she just went through everything. I'd rather just yeah. rest in peace and have to crawl my body out of there again. I'd be like, I, nah, I'll, I would I'll wait in here. I'd take a nap. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> permanent nap. <laughs> permanent nap. <laughs> I wanted to talk about Willow and Xander real fast. I think it's interesting that Xander's fear is not being clothed. Because he doesn't want people to see him for who he really is. In a vulnerable state. Mm-hmm. In a vulnerable state. Because as we've talked about before, Xander is very much um, desires to be seen as manly. And to be manly means you don't have vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. Versus Willow, who has the fear of being noticed too much by people. But if you'll notice, there's kind of a correlation in Restless when she um, – uh, Everyone's talking about how like, oh, you're wearing the wrong clothes. You're wearing the wrong clothes. And they pull her clothes off and you assume she's going to be in her underwear, but she's Mm -hmm. not. She's back in the same outfit she was from the first season. And it's interesting kind of the contrast and the comparison because you have Willow who is afraid of people seeing the real her. Um, She's afraid of people seeing that she's not in control or she's not prepared or she's not not as um, confident as she seems not to be. confident yeah it's mm-hmm. just really interesting like the two how willow and xander kind of almost they struggle with very similar things but they're so different in a lot of ways simply yeah because of their gender roles even too you know yeah oh and then the other thing that i really wanted to talk about that i like oh but i found out this i was like this is this is so good. And this is just proof that Joss knew where he was going with his character. But when Willow was on stage and she's singing with the opera singer, it's from Madame Butterfly by Puccini. And the guy is literally singing to Willow or Willow's character, but really Willow. He's singing, child from whose eyes the witchery is shining, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Like he, he knew. knew. Yeah. Ah, I love that. It's just like fun finding little Easter eggs like that. 
Well, he kept pushing back the Dark Willow storyline for seasons. He like, didn't he want to do it like way earlier, like season three or four? And then that mm-hmm. got pushed back. And then it was like going to be in season five. And then that got pushed back. And then it was like in season six, which I feel like if you're going to do Dark Willow, it makes sense that her girlfriend would die and that would jumpstart it. Um, but like that makes total sense that he was thinking that in the first season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how good for one of the original four to become the bad guy for mm-hmm. a little bit. You yeah. know, it's so good. Oh, and then I also wanted to talk about, I'm sure we'll talk about it in Prophecy Girl because, <laughs> you know, there's going to be a lot of like overlap. But the part where Buffy sees the master outside um, of her grave for the first time and he says, oh, the slayer, you're prettier than the last one. It's so cool that she kind of has that the last line in Prophecy mm-hmm. Girl when he says, Slayer, you're supposed to be dead. And she says, I may be dead, but I'm still pretty. Mm-hmm. And I just love, I just love that because I honestly never caught that until my last rewatch because I was like, I don't understand this line. Like that seems like a stupid line to say to the master. Like it didn't make sense. But she's specifically kind of telling him like I'm not afraid of you anymore like she's literally mastered her fear oh so good gives me goosebumps every time Mm -hmm. but also (laughs) like in that same conversation um he mentions that because she fears him like escaping he then escaped um yeah which it kind of just reminds me of prophecy girl because it's like there was the prophecy of her dying but then it's turned on its head because because she decided to go and try to fight and kill him that's what made him escape is by her showing up and by him, the prophecy coming true and him mm. killing her. So it kind of gives me like similar vibes because it's like she feared him escaping. So he escaped. And then mm. um, and then her trying to conquer her fear and her showing up kind of jump started the prophecy that she was trying to avoid in the first place. It just yeah. makes me sad. I'm like, man, this poor girl cannot win. I know. For real. Um, I love the moment when she, as Buffy is a vampire, is standing there and you have the scary guy approaching her. The ugly and man. she's talking about how she, yeah, the ugly man. She's talking about how she had a really bad day. And she says something to him that is just, oh, I love this moment. She says, there are a lot mm-hmm. scarier things than you and I'm one of them. And it reminds me I of know season seven, Showtime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Showtime, yeah. when she says, I'm the thing that monsters have nightmares. I wrote that down too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I want that. And right now, you and I are going to show them my forehead. Goodness. (laughs) But she says nightmares. Mm -hmm. I'm the thing that monsters have nightmares about. And it's, I know, you know, it was a tie in to this scene right here because she is literally the thing that monsters have nightmares. Ah, it's so good. Mm -hmm. I love that. Got He's goosebumps, so freaking guys. cool. He loves turning things back on its head. He's like, all right, I'm going to use this in one way, and then I'm going to flip it in another season, and yep. it's going to be a perfect callback. I don't yep. know how – he does that dozens of times. Yep. And I'm this, like, how uh, do this, you not run out of, like, material? This episode is literally mm-hmm. just one example of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, we give Joss a lot of credit, but shout out to whoever wrote Showtime in season seven because yes. they – the mm-hmm. writers of the show, like – Obviously, Joss gets a lot of credit, but there are some phenomenal, amazing writers. They're on the same wavelength for sure. That yeah. go back and love the mm-hmm. show so much. So they go and they watch the episodes or they have already watched the episodes and they write with them in mind. And I just, I love it. It was a team effort and the show yeah. couldn't have been what it was with just Joss alone. So like, 
He Bravo definitely had to like train them to think like him. Because <laughs> like yeah. I, when I rewatched Fool for Love, I, I could have sworn that it was at least written or directed by Joss Whedon. It was neither. Mm-hmm. Yeah. N- and, yeah. It wasn't written or directed by Joss Whedon. And that floored me. I was like, wow. Because yeah. it definitely feels like something he would have done. Um, but that just goes to show that like the panel of like writers were just like all on the same wavelength. They yeah. all were just like intelligent. They were huge people. fans of the show. Yeah. They loved it. Yeah, it was so good. the The last thing that I had was Willow asking Xander if he's I ha- attracted yeah, to Buffy as a too. vampire. <laughs> yep, he's like, I'm sick. Oh, aren't Xander! I? I'm like, yes, oh boy, yes, just you are. Wait. Just wait. Which, yeah, like, right? It's so hypocritical because he's just such a jerk because he's giving Buffy so much crap for being mm-hmm. attracted to a vampire, but it's also like everyone bags on Buffy for being like attracted to dark men and all this stuff. But I will literally go to bat for her and say that like of course she's attracted to men that have a dark side to her because she has a dark side to her so she literally has essence of a demon and so it's like it's something that they have in common it's something they can both relate to does xander yeah no well (laughs) maybe he's he's sexist so he has a bit of darkness (laughs) misogyny yeah but um he likes a lot of darkness in his women as well like faith Buffy, mm-hmm. like um, Anya. Anya, I can't believe I forgot. Her name. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. It's been a long day, but um, like Anya, and you're just like, dude, like you're such a hypocrite. Think a mummy girl, yeah, yeah, the <laughs> darkest pet lady, Teacher, yeah. yeah, Mrs. French or Miss French, yeah, yeah. Miss gonna... French, yeah. She's not married. She killed all her husbands. Yeah, sure. she's probably never <laughs> actually been married. <laughs> Let's. Why are we talking about her again? Moving on. <laughs> I know. Oh, it was, it was, uh, I was in class with the kids and we were reading, um, Charlotte's Web. This kind of ties in with Miss French when you said that. Oh, no. But, um, one of the kids raises their hand because we just found out that, like, Charlotte died, um, after she, like, gave birth to all her babies. And, <laughs> and there's always th- one of these kids in the classroom and he raises his hand and he goes, well, actually, did you know they're called black widows because they, um, <laughs> he said they mate with their husbands. textbook. <laughs> <laughs> And then they kill them. And then I was like, yeah. Um, well, Moving on. A, a nice spider. <laughs> just like, well, you should have been like, um, well, first of all, spiders don't get married. So there's that logical <laughs> fallacy. But it's just like the, she um, eats her husband. <laughs> she mates with him. <laughs> oh, my word. And you're like thinking of teacher's pet. I know. Like, I literally no, did. No, I was out. like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. That episode's going to haunt us. I, hopefully down the line, there's going to be another episode that we really love that we have to redo multiple times so we can get this one out of our heads <laughs> or real. never have to redo another episode yeah. <laughs> that's true let's oh, go with that no. one we're gonna do where the wild things are like three oh, times <laughs> no. See, but we can make we can make like games out of that though be like oh they're having sex again we can make a drinking game but we'd all be <laughs> yeah. sloshed by the end it's <laughs> <laughs> true well, I think that wraps everything up. I know we could talk about more, but we're trying to save some stuff to talk about for, you know, season two. Probably yeah. get it all out of the way in season two and then yeah, have nothing. Yeah, we can't spoil else. everything. We don't want to talk about yeah. every foreshadowing in the first season. Right. But this is such a good episode and I'm glad we split it into two. I think it gives us a lot more freedom and we might do this for some of the bigger episodes later yeah. on down the line. We're looking at you becoming... Yeah, seriously. Oh my goodness. Or even both, restless. Both like one I feel and like two. we're gonna have like mm-hmm. or innocent episodes. Yeah. yeah. There's so much. Oh my word. Second season, yeah. third season are so good. Both and every love. season is good, but I'm just like, oh my goodness. Like I'm 
we're like writing i'm running i'm so exhausted many notes. thinking about it it's fun we love it, but like also oh my goodness it's a lot of work but we love doing it yeah it's fun though so, okay i think that's it and as always if there's anything that we missed or there you guys have any insights into the characters um their fears if there's something that was foreshadowed that we missed please let us know it's always so fun to hear new tidbits and stuff um you guys can email us at becoming buffy podcast at gmail.com or you can find us on instagram at becoming buffy podcast uh, we love talking with other people who love buffy just as much as we do mm-hmm. um and thanks guys thanks for listening in and we'll see you guys next time 